0: These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball
1: and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls.
0: Oh, no, I'm in the wrong room. I was I'm sorry. I was just trying to complain about the Vikings all day. I must I must have stumbled into the wrong podcast here, Kyle. My mistake.
1: Uh, I was telling you offline. I was back in North Dakota this weekend visiting uh, an ill grandparent And I spent the last five real minutes of that Vikings game, so the Chargers last drive and then the Vikings subsequent game losing drive uh, at gate F9 at the airport, just surrounded by a a litany of other Vikings fans that were just spewing out hot takes one after the other. And it was uh, it was probably the worst way to spend my Sunday. So, wow, we're down pretty bad over here.
0: Who were, at gate F9, who were people most mad at? Like, who was was the top piece of pie on the pie chart of blame at the airport?
1: Well, they get that stop, obviously, on fourth down or whatever, which was another, as many have deemed it, a fireable offense by Staley. So the Vikings have the ball, and it's like, oh, my God, they're going to score. This is actually sweet. And then when they have that completion and the clock starts ticking, a lot of us around were like, okay, they're trying to waste as much time as possible. They don't want to give the ball back. And then all of a sudden, that's flipped on, like, one second to, like, oh my God, what the hell are they doing? Like they have, they have time for one play and it's first down. So uh, I think between Kirk and, and KOC, uh, God, just there's a lot of people that are getting blamed in the moment and it just seemed very hopeless. So
0: there, There's something kind of funny about KOC and Kirk Cousins talked about that the crowd noise made it hard to hear. The crowd, 70,000 people were yelling spike or clock.
1: <laughs> so if you, would,
0: if you would just listen to them, then... You know, maybe they could have uh, not panicked and rushed that last play. But anyways, we're here to talk some Timberwolves after uh, a week hiatus here.
1: Big week, media day. You're going to be
0: in town for media day this week. We've got training camp starting. The NBA season is is right in front of us here. So if you're already sick of football season and you're looking forward to Timberwolves (laughs) season, we're going to start you off right here with our guy, Alan Horton, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Alan, I think this is your debut on Flagrant Howls. Yeah, I
2: think so. I think so, I, Phil. I've been on with you a couple of times, but I don't think it's on Flagrant Howls. So no, uh,
0: it's on the Mackie and Judd uh, iteration yeah. of Earth podcast. But yep. yeah, this is your Flagrant Howls debut. Would you like to complain about the Vikings too, or should we just move <laughs> past that?
2: I think I think you guys have probably said it all, and you can just look at Phil's Twitter feed to see all the uh, <laughs> he points them out one, two, three, four, all the things that went wrong and what should have been done. And I, I love the ire that you bring out of people. And and their responses to to some of your comments.
0: I mean, I don't. Sometimes I just some. If I have an opinion or I'm angry about something, I will send it out there. And then in retrospect, I'm like, maybe my tone could have been a little bit less angry with that tweet. But (laughs) I don't know. And people are mean on Twitter too. Like we're talking about this off microphone. I feel like football fans, maybe because they're just like pent up after eight months of off season. The responses to a football opinion on the internet are just highly aggressive, and yeah. I think we all just need to calm down for a second. I
2: mean, the NBA, you've got 70-plus games to go, 60 more of these things. Uh, in the NFL, every game matters so much. Um, and and I would – you know, I traveled with the Chargers for a long time producing and engineering their radio broadcast when they were in San Diego. And, um, you know, even during some – I think there was a 1-15 in 15 season in there with uh, Ryan Leaf at quarterback. Um, even during that season, it was – you could feel the – pressure the intensity every Sunday. It doesn't matter what your record is, um those things matter, those games matter. And so when you have a game that slips through your fingers, um which didn't happen to the Vikings last year in those one-score games, and now they lost all three by one score or less, um it's it's tough. It's tough to see your team go down. I I certainly get that.
1: So that note on the Chargers is actually a good way to segue into kind of bringing you on the pod. Uh you and I have become friends. I've always said that you're probably you, if Phil, if we made a Mount Rushmore of just Minnesota Timberwolves people with the organization, right? Like wow. Allen is on there for sure. Uh, Cr- Alan, it's like it's like KG. Way too kind. <laughs> it's, it's KG, and no... Crunch, and and Allen. Pete <laughs> and Allen. Yeah, that's pretty much the four of their heads <laughs> uh, it is up funny. there.
2: This will be my seventeenth year calling Timberwolves games um, on the radio, and so this is the thirty-fifth anniversary season. And um, I think my son figured it out that next year. Um, will be my 18th out of 36 years. I've been around next year. I'll be around for half of the franchise's history. Um, so sometimes I think longevity just gets you into that, maybe that conversation, you know? Yeah, so, nice. Hey, I appreciate the, the crowd noise. <laughs> That's great.
1: So so the Chargers thing or whatever, I was you did a podcast with Michael Rand a couple of years ago for the Star Tribune and kind of just talked about how you got here. And the reason I wanted to have you on is not only does this week kick off, I think we're less than two weeks away from a game. I think they play their first preseason game a couple weeks in Abu Dhabi. But this is like the start of the season. Uh, You're a big part of this, uh, calling all the games. And I just kind of wanted to throw it back to you and just for the people that don't know your story, whether it be the San Diego angle, working up in Seattle, where you're from, just kind of in classic interview form, like tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got here.
2: I'll give you the abridged version. I grew up in Western Massachusetts, so I grew up – Three hours away from Boston, but I, I gravitated to all their sports teams. So Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, um, which has been fruitful over the years, um, especially the recent history, not so much when I was growing up, except for the Celtics. The Celtics really got me into the NBA um, right when I was hitting my teenage years. That was the 80s. And that was the Celtics Lakers. It was Larry Bird. It was Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, all these guys. Um, and that really got me going on the NBA I uh, went to school in uh, upstate New York at, at Skidmore College and then did some graduate work at Syracuse um, and then moved out to California and spent about 10 years in San Diego, one year up in Seattle working with the Sonics and Storm right during their ownership change and right before their move to Oklahoma City, which was a really interesting time. Um, and then got the opportunity in Minnesota and came here. You know, it was it didn't quite fall into the category of the KG trade in oh seven, but a couple of months later, that's when I was acquired. It was a much lesser note in the It was the, yeah, so it was Marcus
0: page. Marcus Banks, uh, uh, Al Jefferson and Alan Horton. Is that I'm trying to remember the trade?
2: <laughs> uh, Theo Ratliff was in there, Gerald Green. Just was his in there.
0: contract though. Yeah. Just it was...
2: <laughs> Yep. And then and then a month later it was Alan Horton signed. You, you were right. an
0: expiring. You were an expiring contract <laughs> from Seattle.
2: I don't even know if I had a con. I, I think I was, I don't think I was even under contract in Seattle. So, uh, yeah. So I, I got started late in that 07 season. Fortunately, I think that was the year the Timberwolves, at least uh, in early October, were on the road. They were in Turkey. I think they played a game in Turkey and then in London. And so that gave me a couple of days in the office. Um, and then I was two days in the office. We had driven from Seattle, two days in the office, and then literally out on a flight um, with Billy McKinney and the team to go do a preseason game. And the next day we were doing a preseason game. We were off and running and I f- was playing catch up the entire year trying to learn. You know, I was familiar with the NBA, but once you start calling games, now you really got to get immersed in it. And so I was just battling to catch up um, that whole year, relied on Billy an awful lot. Uh, my family was still back in Seattle because we had a house there. So we had to kind of figure things out. Uh, but that's uh, that's how we kind of got started. And I've been here
1: ever since. So I had a note written down that you've called, I think it's like over 1200 games, but, and again, not blowing smoke because Alan and I have become friends, but one of the reasons I'm such a fan of you is because when I get to, when I cover games on the road or when I'm back, like I'm sometimes sitting by you and you're calling the game. You're, you're a play-by-play guy. You're an analyst. You're also just kind of a fan in the sense of you're, you're telling stories, you're making people laugh. And what I don't think people realize, cause there's no video is it's just you. You do have some producers, but like it's, you've got your, your boards and you've got five different layouts and what seems like 10 different screens Uh, for the, there's always people to listen to this that kind of want to get into this industry and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. what was it about your time in Seattle maybe, or maybe just covering, you know, volleyball and baseball. Like what was it that kind of gave you those reps to be able to be like a five tool guy when it comes to play by play?
2: I think the biggest advice I give to young broadcasters who are coming up or who want to get to the professional level is just, is to build that resume every experience you can get you need to take whether it's a producing role whether it's an engineering role whether it's play-by-play of any sport whether it's radio whether it's on the internet whether it's tv um, every rep you can get just builds out that resume and it makes you more valuable and one of the reasons I was able to jump to Seattle um, they needed a Seattle storm of the WNBA a play-by-play man or person and they um, but it wasn't just that had and the and the guy who hired me is is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz who was in Seattle at the time David Locke David Locke um, yeah. yeah we found and, uh, D-
0: David Locke lived like two blocks away fifteen years prior we found out to where I lived when I was in Seattle up like, in Queen Anne Queen Anne yeah yes I know exactly Super that because I
2: I've, I've been up there multiple times yeah. um so he's you know he even told me you know had it been just the storm play by play job um there were a hundred. Resumes that they got that they could have gone with. And at that point, it just comes down to, you know, whose voice do you like? And that's a very subjective thing. But they also needed an executive producer of the uh, uh, Sonics radio network and they were switching stations. They needed someone who knew about um, ISDN lines and knew how to set up a pregame show and connect a network um, and organize the studio uh, back in Seattle while David was on the road um, to roll on other games. And we had a whole host of, um, I think, you know, we were the, one of the few teams, I think that had a whole team of, we were rolling on every single NBA game every night. And we had all these interns cutting up highlights and we would splice those in and we would really try to take you, you know, when you were listening to a Sonics game, you're not only were getting all the details about the Sonics, but you're, we're keeping you up to date about everything going on in the NBA. And we were all listening. So, um, we would, we, if someone went for 30, we'd have a 30 point bell. If we had a great highlight, we'd play it, a buzzer beater. We got it. Um, and so that really then put me into an upper echelon because I could executive produce because I had done producing because I had engineered because I had all this game day experience running my own broadcast sometimes um, that really paid off and put me in another level um, to where it was only, you know, choice of, you know, they narrowed it down to three people and I was fortunate enough to, to be named had it just been the storm play-by-play, you know, they could have gone a lot of different ways.
0: hey How did just to fast forward now, I think you you became much more of a like an around the NBA household name with the Ed Malloy botched call, the, the infamous uh, soundbite. How did that? I mean, that was such an organic, fun moment. How did that change your career, or did it?
2: I don't think it did at all. Um, it certainly got a lot of notoriety. It, I think it happened at a time. Um, so we're talking to, I think that was 2013, maybe the 13, 14 season. I was kind of, it's been such a long time now. It's been almost a decade yeah. since that, since that non-call against the uh, Dallas Mavericks where Sean Marion fouled Kevin Love for a potential game-tying three. Um, and it was sort of in a time, like I think, uh, right around Christmas. And so it was kind of a dead time and it got a lot of publicity. Uh, there wasn't a lot else going on and, um, it, it certainly, I still to this day will get tweets or texts and, 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 and people will hit me up and say, Hey, we got Ed Malloy tonight in Charlotte for Atlanta against the Hornets. I'm just like, okay, okay. okay. Well, people, <laughs> no. And
0: then if, if he blows a call in any game across the oh, country yeah. or whatever, I, you still see people in all caps tweeting,
2: yeah. Ed Malloy, you know, yeah. with
0: five exclamation points. Yeah.
2: So even almost a decade later, people have not forgotten. And uh, I haven't forgotten either. It was a, it was a, I mean, it was, it was not a fun night because the, the wolves got robbed, but and there were a couple other things that happened that season too. Remember, those were that was the season where um, where the Wolves had lost just a ton of close games to start the season. There were expectations on them. Rick Adelman was the coach, um, and, and and we'd also have the previous year. We had a couple of plays. One that Ed Malloy was was refing in, where he incorrectly kicked out JJ Barea against the Miami Heat, um, and then there was another one where Jason Phillips eject, uh, missed a call on, of course. Kobe Bryant gets away with everything, right? Well, Kobe, uh, rest in peace. He fouled Ricky Ruby on a potential half court shot at the buzzer that the the NBA the next day said, Hey, we missed the call. And Mm -hmm. so after this Ed Malloy call, they, you know, they put out that they missed the call. Ed wasn't looking, he was looking more at the feet and not at the potential contact. And um, the rest is history.
1: It is kind of nice that that happened at a point where like we were online a little bit, but not too much because like if that, if you make that call now, it would have gone so viral that like, you probably would have had to have done a sit down with like Michael Strahan on Good Morning America just to like it gone <laughs> so would. big. So it it came at a general organic time where the world wasn't too online. But uh, there was also you had a really good one. I can't remember if it was a tweet now that you're starting to bring up all your your biggest hits. But you I remember you kind of lost it in a professional way when the whole untucked jersey thing happened too. Oh, that was the back yes. in Oklahoma the City. city. Like, I remember Chris listening Paul. back to your call and you were uh you were not happy about that. Nor was I. But that was a good one too.
2: You know, that was, uh, it's funny, I just came across that highlight because I was looking something up, um, and it, it came me across the fact that the untucked jersey led to a loss in Oklahoma City in just an unbelievable, I mean, you want to talk Vikings, Chargers, this is right up <laughs> Thunder and Wolves. I don't even know what year this is, but uh, I, the scenario was Towns had to go to the free throw line. The Wolves were already up one He. I, I can't even t- off the top of my head. He had to make, he had to miss the second one. Cause there was less than a second left. And in between free throws, he did the opposite. He missed the first. He should have tried to make, he was yep. trying to make that, but he missed it. And then he made the second. He should have missed that. So they wouldn't have been able to take the ball out of bounds. But in between those two free throws, Jordan bell checks in and Jordan <laughs> bell checks in with his Jersey untucked, just like 98% of players do in the NBA. And he quickly jams into his shorts, but Chris Paul, this, I mean, this is unbelievable. You can't write this. Chris Paul and, um, oh my gosh, the official who he has always has problems with. Uh, oh, uh, Scott, Scott Foster. Foster. Yeah. Yes, Scott Foster turns to Chris Paul. He's like, "You're right." Chris Paul was barking. Hey, he's got an untucked jersey. That's a technical. Chris Paul knew that we had an earlier delay of game warning because Ryan Saunders had go to the be- had went to the bench at the end of the third quarter, and Cat had his knees all wrapped up. He was iced. He was done for the quarter. Right. Well, in order to maximize the possession, Ryan wanted to get Towns out there, but Towns wasn't ready, so he goes to the scores table, unwraps his knees, and we get a delay of game warning. Now you're allowed two, so this wouldn't have mattered had we had Carl not come in the game at the end of the third quarter. Gosh. So Jordan Bell comes on, and they call a second delay of game, but at the time nobody knows it because you can't. You, we, we're far away from the floor. I think even TV was confused about exactly what the call was. OKC gets a technical, hits the free throw, so that makes it a two point game. So Carl just needs to either make it, to make it a three-point game, which but what we were saying was he needed to miss it, and they would have to take a length of the court shot to try to tie yeah. it or win it. And he hit it. Steven Adams inbounds. Baseball pass. Dennis Schroeder lay in. Jeff Teague caught napping. And right. we go to overtime, and, of course, the Thunder win. Oh, God. Just unbelievable. We
1: really actually, that hurts to like listen to Alan Go play by play there and just bring it back. But there's <laughs> like
0: there's like 25 of those moments. I feel like since you started, you know, 17 <laughs> years ago, where you could go, you could go through that season you were talking about too, where uh, uh, the 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 original like Malloy viral clip. If I'm not mistaken, that Wolves team that like the Pythagorean win loss uh, projection based on your plus minus. Yes, they had like one of the best plus minuses in the Western Conference. And they were projected to be like a fifty-win team, and they and they wound up with ten fewer wins because of yeah. just crazy. Have you just one last Malloy thing? And I, I've always yeah. wanted to ask you this, and I always forget. <laughs> have you ever talked to him since that moment? Have so you guys have ever had a conversation?
2: Great, great question. So Jim Peterson will often join me on a broadcast if he, if their TV's not covering it and his schedule allows for it. If he's on the road with us, we'll try to I'll try to bring him in. And so we did that for a Christmas Day game against the LA Clippers years ago, and Ed Malloy's work in the game. And so we sit down courtside. We were courtside at that point, point. Um, and we realize Ed Malloy is one of the officials. And right before we're about to go on, I'm, I'm about to toss it to Jim for some keys to the game. He's like, "You know what, Alan? I got to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to go ask Ed Malloy." I'm like, "Jim, we're 12 seconds away from going on the air. Can we do the keys to the game?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it." So he gets up and goes to talk to Ed Malloy. And of course, Ed Malloy has this is like five years after the fact is like, what are you talking about? Like he doesn't, he no, didn't know. No, no, no. Hold on. He was just caught off guard by
0: okay.
1: it. And he oh. was like,
2: wait a minute. What are you talking about? When was this? What year? Who was the team? And so Jim explains it. And I'm, I'm doing the pregame show and I can hear these two talking. And I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, is he going <laughs> to, is he going to kick us out of the game even before it starts? He might do something crazy like that. He says he remembers the play. He said he did not uh, hear anything about my call, uh, which, Seems a little hard to believe with the with the traction that that did get, uh, especially over the years. All you have to do is Google your own name, and I think that right. would probably come up if you're Ed Malloy. Yeah. Um, but he he gave up. He gave Jim the line of, "Oh, I lost sleep for days over that call," which is funny because that exact same phrasing came out this past uh, year when LeBron got fouled in Boston, and 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 it was an obvious foul call, and the NBA referees came out and said we blew it. You know, we lose sleep over these calls. That seems to be a standard line. Like I lose sleep over it. So yeah. anyway, that 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 he he remembered the call he said he not had not heard it. He remembered the non-foul call, but that was kind of the end of it and I've never yeah, I just don't cross paths with the referees because we're broadcasting usually up from the floor. Um, I see them sometimes in the hallways before the game, but that's something that they're not dressed as referees at that point, so sometimes you don't even know um you don't even recognize quickly who those guys are so we've never talked or we've never crossed paths i I do feel like we had a connection because we're both in the wmba at the same time too um and so a lot of guys come up through that way but um you know it's as people as i tell people hey it's not up to me whether or not i'm going to go off on the officials tonight it's up to them and i and i think i think deep down they know that it's part of our job to be critical if if the situation warrants it and i certainly go out of my way um to point out how difficult a job they have. And we just got done with broadcaster meetings in which they talk about Monty McCutcheon talks about all the new rules, points of emphasis, all this stuff. Every single year, they keep heaping more and more responsibilities on these reps. Uh, They've now got to keep track of flopping. So not only Phil, do I have to keep track of whether or not you drew a charge against Kyle driving to the rim, but I got to see whether or not maybe you flopped on the play too and compute all that in my head, and keep an eye if the ball went in, if there was an elbow up in the air, like, you yeah, know, you get hit in the nose, uh shot to the head, that type of thing. We keep keeping more and more on these officials. And I, I just I, I don't know how they do it, because it's really it. We all like to joke about the officiating and everything. It's a terrifically hard job.
1: So I do want to get your thoughts. This is Phil and I are using this as like our season preview as we yeah. get ready for media day and training camp. So I do want to get your thoughts on the upcoming season. But. I, I do want to go back to the timeline because it's so interesting that Kevin Garnett, really the only thing this franchise can hang their hat on leaves, and then you come in, so you've seen a different 17, 16 and a half years of, of this franchise organization. A way, like aside from like the big names, like has there been a guy, because you do post-game interviews with these guys and stuff, like has there been a player that stands out that you really enjoyed covering or just a story you've had during your time here that kind of comes to mind when you think about your time with the organization?
2: I, I really do enjoy seeing guys that used to play for the Wolves and guys I had a semi-relationship with. Um, I, I hadn't – you know, Kevin Love's been in the league a long time, and he's been longer with Cleveland than he has been with Minnesota now at this point, which is which is amazing. Wow. But I just – I had not crossed paths with him until this past season, and then I just went in the locker room, and I, I saw him there sitting, and I, I said hi to him and gave him a big hug. And, you know, it was just nice to catch up with some of these guys, and I've had that with a couple of different guys – Um, I I love seeing Corey Brewer still in the league as a player development coach, I think, down in New Orleans. It's great seeing him. I mean, that guy's smile just I mean, he he lifts everybody up. Corey's one of my all time favorites, especially since he came into his rookie season was my first year in the NBA. Um, And there are a ton of guys throughout the league you just kind of connect with. And especially I think for this 35th anniversary season, we're going to see some of the guys coming back. Um, we always try to put them on the broadcast, whether it's, you know, a guy who who, who I wasn't here for, but Christian Leitner has been on the broadcast a couple of times. I love hanging out with him. We've had a great time on the air. Um, you know, Ryan Gomes, Craig Smith, all these guys that are now doing stuff with the LA Clippers. Um, they have an, like an alternate broadcast that those two are a big part of, but um, you know, right down the line, it's just a lot of a lot of guys that I enjoyed being around and they were always cool to me. There's very few people, uh, players in this league or coaches that, you know that that weren't nice and friendly and um you know would give you the time when you asked for it
0: yeah we um by the way some of these names are uh are are just like sparking memories from the past and sparking memories from the two times this offseason that kyle and i have gone through the top (laughs) 100 timberwolves of all time so we had we had a listener alan submit uh this is probably like two months ago we kind of joked about boy what are we going to do this off season for content so we could rank the top 100 timberwolves of all time and the listener submitted their own list of one through 100 and so wow. then we said all right i'm going to do it myself and present it to kyle uh, a couple weeks ago uh and that there's a there's another tale to this i'll stop there for a second and just ask you who do you think if you if you just your own opinion or if you pulled sort of the wolves universe who do you think should be recognized as the second best Timber Wolf of all time,
2: uh, behind Miroslav Radulica.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow! Okay. See, this is why um, we bring you on. Right
2: and Alexei Pesharov, uh, Nate Jawai. I, lo- I love big men. I love big men, and I love uh, I love our backup oh. point guards. Whether it's um, you know, Kevin Alexei Shved,
0: Alexei Shved. Shved,
2: um, Jason Hart was here for a little bit. We had so many guys come through.
0: Ramon I- I Sessions in yeah. their
2: brains. So wait, what was the question? Second best Who- behind Who- KG.
0: Who's yeah. the second best? Who who should be recognized right now today as the second best Timberwolf of all time?
2: Uh, gosh, I, I guess my candidates are. I guess my candidates are towns. I guess uh, love has mm-hmm. to be in there. Um,
0: the one year of Jimmy Butler you could put in there if you're going peak, peak like Jack Morris is one of the greatest great. twins of all time. One, one he, plus, Phil. He, one know. plus.
2: Remember, he had the beginning of that next year <laughs> before things that went really south. Yeah, That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Boy, one year. That's. I no. I can't put him second if I'm.
1: Oh, I'm with. I, I'm with Alan there. Yeah.
0: I, I just can't. We didn't. I and mean, we didn't, by the way. Or yeah, I didn't. Good. I guess. Good. Is Anthony Edwards um, an a option? Oh, or I not? guess
2: Ants. Ants quickly going to be in the conversation. Probably doesn't get there, but yeah, probably give him a few more years. And and I think. Um, I think he's on path to that. I don't know. I'm think, thinking if anybody you know not
0: here here was my here here's my uh, top 10 i'm always a big fan of
2: big al jefferson too put big al in there
0: yep big so big al was 11th big al was just outside the top 10 and you might just so i i'd be
2: higher if he didn't blow out his knee in new orleans that one time when kevin took over and things were starting to like click a little bit and big al went down it was oof
0: he was, he was so lights out in the paint too. Just a great, yeah. just that little, uh, that I, I, little another, another
2: great what if is when, um, of course, when Ricky Rubio, um, against the Lakers, uh, blows out his knee, you just wonder how things might've been different there as well. We
1: talked mm-hmm. about that, Alan, cause that was the year, you know, every year was just all that you focused on was the youth, right. And like the hope yeah. of better days, but that was the year that it was like Rubio and Derek Williams. I think they both played in like the, the up and or the rising stars game. So it's like, OK, the Wolves finally have a couple guys. And I think it's like two months, a month later that Rubio tears his ACL in that spring yeah. game against Kobe. So who, who was your top 10, though? Because I want to just give Alan just a couple. I mean, he just listed three guys that I honestly had forgotten about. Oh, yeah. So I want to tell him a couple names that were hey, in our one top more One more
2: what if. When uh, Darko Milicic got hurt on the opening tip once in Portland. Was, <laughs> oh, that's one of my all-time favorite know, plays. I've never yeah. seen someone get hurt on the opening tip. <laughs> what that was man. it? What,
0: what did he do? What did he Ankle? Who knows, oblique
2: foot, ankle knee just stretch that oblique unwillingness to play I don't know
0: just wanted <laughs> to a get the game a, start apparently <laughs> he used to his keep game
2: started and just wanted to start the game and, <laughs> and then be done he used little, to keep uh, his cash
0: under a under a mattress is how he would that, that little was did he bank. know that
2: would hurt his uh, stats so much because you've now played the game so all your per game stats are screwed up because you only played yeah. 22 seconds <laughs> uh, top ten top oh boy I don't know that's catching me off guard I.
0: I'll give you what if I give you my 10, you could critique it. Okay? okay. All right. Number one, Kevin Garnett. Number yeah. two, Carl Anthony Towns. Number three, and I, so this is where we get into like, I value your, what were you at your best, even if it was for a short amount of time over longevity? I have Sam Cassell as the third best Timberwolf yeah. of all time. Yeah. He was so influential for the, the best season in franchise history. Yep. I think they win the title if he doesn't do the big oh. uh, grapefruits dance and Another, his another
2: hip. awful what if.
0: Kevin Love 3, Jimmy Butler 5. I'm a huge Terrell Brandon fan. Mm-hmm. I think they got better actually swapping Stefan Marbury for Terrell Brandon in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Tom Gugliotta, one of the most underrated franchise changers. I mean, he was it was him first, and then KG kind of came along. And then I've got Anthony Edwards 8, Wally Zerbiak 9, Stefan Marbury 10, Al Jefferson 11. Yeah, that's pretty Just good. The
2: that's really good. I don't know that... Uh... I don't know if you start listing twelve through sixteen, there'll be a guy that I feel like should be in those top eleven. That's I think that's pretty good. Well, the uh, best not- part
1: is is when you stretch it out to the top one hundred, we get like Nikhil Alexander Walker eighty two, and, and I don't think he's played eighty two games. So that and just rising. tells you that just tells you how far how <laughs> far the list goes. Uh, and, it, and he's rising fast. Do you did you watch a, a lot of the FIBA games? I, I, I tried to watch as
2: much as possible the, the timing really doesn't yeah. work too well. Kind of like the women's world cup uh, soccer. Like it's just we got to stop hosting these. I know it's not, the world doesn't revolve around the United States, we act <laughs> but like a it kind of does. does. I win. mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I need, I need my games at a reasonable time. Okay. We can't stop doing the world cups at, at places that start the game at three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, but Nikhil, he's been, I mean, did anybody even think twice about him being added into that deal uh, with, with Mike Conley at the trade deadline when they got rid of D'Angelo Russell? Um, he fit in perfectly. Um, I think it's, I think he has moved himself into being just the sixth man coming off the bench, the way he can defend, the way he can knock down threes. Um, I, I, he's been an unbelievable addition, and you know, they signed him up for two more years. Um, the way he played for Team Canada, he played a crucial role for them um, in winning that bronze medal. Um, and, and he just feels like he's finally getting an opportunity and taking advantage of it. And I think his, his stock is on the rise.
1: So this is the, the best way to segue into a season preview, going back to the, what ifs, you know, I'm a fan, but like, what if the Timberwolves are just good this year? Like, yeah. is there a chance like with a, with a year past the Gobert stuff and kind of putting that behind you, having the ability to have a pick coming up if things don't, crater or if they crater you know what I mean it's not all doom and gloom but what are your just kind of general expectations now that the team seems relatively healthy uh we don't have I mean I was just looking at this the other day Friday was the two-year anniversary of the whole Gerson Rosas letting go of him like then last year there was some ant stuff coming to training camp Carl's sick it seems like you know knock on wood that this is the most normal Mm -hmm. media day training camp we've had in a while so what are your just kind of general expectations for for this upcoming season
2: yeah, I think that I think the biggest question surrounding this team heading into the season is basically the question we had going into last season with the acquisition of Rudy Gobert and how good can this team be with Carl Anthony Towns and with Rudy Gobert and what kind of impact um, can Rudy have when this team's at 100 percent? We just we, it, I, I feel like it was an incomplete grade last year with Towns missing 53 games in total with that calf injury. Um, the The positive thing is when you look at the numbers with cat and and Rudy together, um, poor offensively, but great defensively. And the first, uh, before Carl got injured, if you break down the numbers that way, um, it was a struggle. It was, it was a work in progress. But when Cat came back from the calf injury, the numbers were better. And I think heading into this season, this is now the third iteration, if you will. And I think the expectation is that they'll be better than they were the second time around. And I think it keeps building. And hopefully those guys have worked together enough um, and I think the coaching staff has a better idea now of how all these pieces fit together. I think Rudy is another year under his belt. You know, I think that that was a kind of a storyline last year, but maybe got lost a little bit of how much of an adjustment it was for Rudy Gobert to spend the first, what, nine years of his career, eight years of his career in Utah. Um, he is a creature of habit. And so when you uproot him from that and, you know, even though he put up good numbers they weren't Rudy numbers, not the numbers you expect from Rudy Gobert when he's the three-time defensive player of the year. And mm-hmm. so I think a year under his belt with these teammates, with his situation, coming to this practice arena, knowing the city, all the things that you kind of take for granted. Um, I think that was, a, you, we saw him play better at the end of the year, and I think comfort had a lot to do with that. Um, and I also think the numbers with with Mike Conley were fantastic last year and and I think Mike Conley's addition and what he brings to the team as opposed to your previous point guard in D'Angelo Russell um, is going to pay big dividends over the course of 82 games not just the 24 games that, that Mike was able to play in.
0: How, how do you think uh, on the Anthony Edwards side oh. I know that the games were all at two o'clock in the morning but in the in the games that we all saw and just hearing what Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra had to say and Anthony Edwards even just statistically far and away being the leading scorer on that team. How do you think that world cup experience helps his career going forward?
2: Boy, I don't know if you could ask for much more from a young player like Anthony Edwards in his first three years, uh, three plus years. Um, His, his progress has just been this. If you were to graph it, it's the straight line going upwards. I mean, it's just, he's gotten more efficient. He's gotten better offensively, defensively, um, his shooting numbers. His, his court awareness, just, just savviness is all grown in three years, just like you would hope. And then for him to be uh, really the de facto leader of this, maybe not de facto, he was the leader of Team USA. I mean, to, to, yeah. to, to have that on that stage um, and to look the part, it's all... Positive signs for Ant continuing the progress that he's already shown. He's led this team to the postseason the last two years. He's an All Star now. Uh, once you break through on that, you're, 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 it's a really good chance you become a regular. Um, and of course, his play will certainly dictate that. But um, I, I just think you couldn't draw up a better first three years for for Ant and his progression. It's just, it's just been fantastic. And he is what I like most is he backs up what he says. You know, in the playoffs last year. Uh, some national reporters were asking him about, you know, being the best, the future of the NBA and one of the great stars. He's like, I haven't done anything yet. I haven't gotten out of the, my team has not gotten out of the first round. I don't think I'm one of those young superstars. And that's exactly, um, that's how Anthony Edwards thinks he hasn't proven anything. And he's got that mindset that he wants to be great and he wants to be great at anything he does. I think Austin Rivers said this in a podcast this summer, uh, that ant will, he he'll, he'll play you in anything, even if he's never done it before. He's just like, I'm going to beat you. I will be the best. Um, he's got that mentality. And I think, uh, I think nothing but great things for him. He continues to make strides and I wouldn't, I, I would expect him to take another jump this season.
0: Yeah. Hey Kyle, before we hit uh, Alan with the last couple questions here, we do have to shout out our friends, over at Power Lodge here. So Power Lodge and Miller Marine, uh, even though summer is over, you know, fall fall season on a pontoon, not a bad way to live. You got the changing leaves, some beautiful bodies of water out there. And right now, Power Lodge and Miller Marine are winterizing your boats. Winterization specials right now, free storage with the purchase of a new boat as well. There's Kyle and his family right now on the YouTube channel enjoying some nice throttle therapy out on the water get double the value if that new boat is a luxurious Bennington with unbeatable employee pricing stacked on top of rebates this is the best time of year actually to get into a boat so you can have it for the end of summer into fall and for next year uh, find out more at millermarine.com and powerlodge.com all right it's Mackie here and a shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples even so I am an allergy sufferer, and it's uh, it's rough sometimes with stuffy, runny nose. For me, it can be like dry, scratchy eyes, throat, even just feeling tired. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin-D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe Better. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief. Just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D or ask for Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. That's Claritin.com. Use
1: as directed. Well, it's either Timberwolves related or about airplanes. so I think we should stick it to Timberwolves for now. Uh, what what would be your biggest question going into this season? Is it about the Rudy fit still? Is it about, like, one of the things that Alan and I keep thinking about is like, the Wolves look so good with Kyle at the four last year. Right. They obviously keep Nas. Like, they have Nikhil. Like, they're, I said last year the one thing I was right about and everything else I was wrong is that they were going to be the deepest team in franchise history. Well, they're deeper now, in my opinion, than they were last year. Yep. But between, let's say, Kyle Anderson, Nikhil, Nas Reed, I'm forgetting someone else like shake me like one of those guys is gonna be like the ninth guy off the bench right yeah and just with how the pecking order goes so yeah. what is your biggest question mark that you think finch and, and tim and those guys need to kind of address or figure out as we get going for the season
2: yeah i think to, speaking to that depth you know at the end of the season they have nine of their 10 players back from yeah. last season um and the 10th would probably be jordan mclaughlin who was who was on again, off again last year after his calf injury, um, I, I expect him to, to have a bounce-back season. He's just he's just too good a player um, as a backup point guard. And so the one player who's not back is Torian Prince, and you basically substituted him out for Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr., so you actually got a little bit deeper. Now you, you really have 11 guys right there, and that's not to even mention the rest of the roster who would still have a chance um, mm-hmm. to get some playing time. I think the one question for me, um, you mentioned Nas Reed, and, and you mentioned Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson was their best was their best option at power forward last season, and so you know, you, you re signed Nas Reed. His it's interesting. His career high in minutes played is only 19 minutes a game.
1: Mm-hmm. He only
2: played 18 minutes a game last year, and that's with Cat missing 53 games. So I'm wondering how you work in Rudy. If everybody's healthy, how are you working in Rudy, Cat, Nas? That's three for two spots that's normally like enough. You can rotate all three of those guys, but you mentioned it, Kyle, Kyle Anderson was their best power forward option. He was the best combination with Rudy Gobert last year. In fact, that was the highest net rating of any of the two man lineups was Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert. Um, Kyle, and and, and not only do the numbers back it up, but the eye test, it fits the eye test. Kyle Anderson was incredible last year. The three triple doubles gives you an idea of the kind of impact um, he had last season, but his veteran leadership his, um, you know, despite despite the punch at the end of the season, uh, those two guys were still the best combination. And um, you know, he just he just does so many things. I think he's a winning basketball player. And so now you've got four guys for those two spots. And I really wonder how that will shake out. You know, coach joked that, uh, coach Finch joked that you know he might play Nas at the three and try to play Nas, Cat, and and Gobert. I don't know if that's going to be true. We'll have to wait and see about that. That would be a little aggressive, but. Um, it gives you an idea of how deep this team is. And and you've got Jaden McDaniels, who is on the rise as well, like, you know, pretty much is slotted into that three spot, but he plays some four as well. So I don't, I, I'm really intrigued to see when this team is 100% healthy, how the minutes are divvied up and what kind of combinations work best for this team. So it's really a front court uh, question for me.
0: Jaden McDaniels is such a, just a wild card here in that, if he just stays the same as he's as he was last year, just a lockdown perimeter defender who can shoot some threes, can get to the rim once in a while, maybe score 12, 15 points, that's a really good player. But there's another level there, and we've sort of mm-hmm. seen it in passing. You saw it, I mean, down the street from when we were in Seattle last year, he went and played a couple games, I think it was uh, at at Seattle Pacific, and, yep. like, dominated. Oh, the crossover. So there- Yeah, the the Jamal Crawford tournament. Yep. So there's like there's another player in there, and so the the wild card for this team is what if he emerges on another level and becomes a 20 points per game scorer, a guy that you can drop plays for. You know, that's something that's kind of lurking, I feel like, in the weeds for this team.
2: Absolutely, and I thought I think we saw a better Jaden McDaniels um, when Mike Conley came in too, because again that 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 took away some shots. D'Lo was was was. D'Lo does what D'Lo does, right? And and he needs the ball. He needs shots. And when you bring in Mike Conley, who's more of a pass first rather than a shoot first point guard, now that's going to distribute that rock a little bit more. And Jaden McDaniels was one of the beneficiaries of that. And we and we kind of saw his game. Um, he he took a few more offensive um, opportunities. He took guys off the dribble. Um, and I think they want to see more of that. And I just it makes you more dynamic the more weapons you have out there at the offensive end. Um, and and now I think the Wolves can really play some. Yeah, really locked down defensive lineups. Can you imagine Nikhil on the floor with Jaden with Rudy, um, and maybe maybe a Kyle at that power forward spot? You can. I mean, you can get some some really solid defensive lineups out there. Um, and, and this this Timberwolves defense was a top ten defense last year. It's only the second time in franchise history they've had a top ten defense, wow. um, and, and a big chunk of that is due to Rudy. I mean, even though he didn't put up Rudy-like numbers, his blocks were down, his rim protection numbers were down from, from where he's normally at. But he led this team to a top 10 defense, and it's the seventh straight year he's done that. And there's no reason to think that that number can't even get better this year. Where it's got to get better is at the other end of the floor where they were 23rd in offense. And it really wasn't so much, they were an okay shooting team. Their effective field goal percentage was in the top half of the league. The problem was, they were 26th in turnover rate, and they were 26th in offensive rebounding. Yeah. And They've got to figure those two things out. You can't continually give up the ball. Um, turnovers are just, you know, it's like a turnover in football, right? It's just, it's just you, nothing good can happen from a turnover. You've just lost an ability to score, and you've likely given the other team momentum and a really good chance to score. Turnovers are just crucial. And when D'Lo was a part of this team, I looked this up the other day, the turnover rate, the five starters, D'Lo, Ant, Cat, Rudy, and Jaden, all were in the top 25 in turnover rate. I mean, the ball was just being turned over left and right. It was better with Mike Conley at the point. Those numbers for all five guys went down with Conley subbed out for D'Angelo Russell. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to continue, too, the more these guys play together. So I think they can get these turnovers um, taken care of. Offensive rebounding is going to be really interesting because – you know they don't crash the offensive glass last year mostly because they were getting burned in defensive transition Chris Finch wanted to you know hey let more people hang in for that defensive rebound um, or, or get start to get back not crash the glass let's get back to prevent transition buckets from the other team but one guy who's got got to pick that up at the offensive end is cat his, his offensive rebounding has gone down a number of years in a row. Rudy was about where he normally is. I mean, he'll, he'll get you three reb- offensive rebounds a game. You know, three or four years ago, Cat was averaging almost three and a half a game, obviously a different roster. But now last year he was down at 1.7. And so maybe that's from being on the perimeter too much. Uh, you know, who knows? It's, it's something they've got to figure out because you can't be 26th in the league in that cat. If you get to league average in both those categories, this Timberwolves team isn't 23rd, you're likely looking at, you know, maybe around 10th or 10 to 15 range, somewhere in there. Yeah. So there are, I think there are a lot of things that are exciting. And, and if you can clean up some of the other areas, I, I, and I go back to the original point, Kyle, that you kind of made that you kind of just feel like things are okay. We went through last season, not a lot of things went right. Jaden broke his hand, the punch, um, you know, Rudy gets suspended. You got Carl injured. It got off to a bad start in training camp this year. It, The Timberwolves had just as many players at the World Cup as any other team. They had five, I think, and um, all those guys had good experiences. I loved the way Carl played with the Dominican Republic. He seemed to get kind of that joy for the game back where you're just playing. You're not worried about anything else, and I, I, I just hope he can kind of harness that, bring that back, and let his play on the court do the talking this year because he is an exceptional talent on the floor, and if he can just harness that Play with his teammates, work off of Ant, work with Rudy Gobert. I think this has a chance to be really good. And maybe we are talking about a 50 win team.
1: Yeah, well, you uh, you are an excep- exceptional talent off the floor. Uh, so we appreciate you being on this pod. Uh, I, I know that. Kyle,
2: I appreciate that. And I'm going to share something, <laughs>
1: Phil. So when the
2: news came a couple of weeks ago that uh, the radio broadcasts are going to move off WCCO. Kyle sent me a text, and which I very much appreciate. He's like, "Hey, I hope everything's okay. I hope this doesn't change the radio situation and you calling games, because if it does, I will riot." And first <laughs> off, very appreciative of the text. I, I appreciate the support very much, Kyle. Yeah. And when are we gonna? When year.
0: when do we find out? When do we find out what the what? What's this new so, uh, venture gonna be?
2: We're 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 a little bit early on that. I think this will sort itself out here within the next week. But the okay. good news is, okay. what I can say is that Timberwolves fans are going to be able to catch every single game, preseason, regular season, postseason, as they have the last three years because we've only done all preseason um, the last three seasons. So we're off to Abu Dhabi on Sunday. But I appreciate, Kyle, the the support. And, I, you know, <laughs> Phil, I, I just pictured Kyle running around downtown by himself <laughs> – trying to riot i don't know trying to lift cars up and overturn them trying to bang <gasps> on doors i'm not sure what he's yelling but man it made my day i just picture kyle rioting by himself downtown he's
1: yelling at malloy
0: <laughs> typical friday it. for me i appreciate it kyle Th-
1: thank you sir thank you uh <laughs> excited to have you for year 17 uh excited to have you we'll see you around at media day uh and again i i, I was talking to some pr people but announcement should come on what the next step is but we're really excited to have Alan Horton, Voice of the Timberwolves, another year. Uh, thank you for all you do. Thank you for all your hard work for being a, a five-tool player up there. So uh, excited to get this thing rolling. Amen. I
2: appreciate it, guys. And uh, thanks for all you guys do. Flagrant Howls all the way.
1: Alan Horton, thank you, man. Appreciate
0: it. <laughs> Kyle, we'll see you in the Twin Cities here. Yes, sir. To all of you, Flagrant Howls faithful, this is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. See you next time.